Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. All right, so they have this inability to, to say shalom. They, have, they can't do it. They just cannot bring themselves to say shalom to Joseph because he was chosen by the Father. And so we also see this this inability to speak nice, this inability to speak peaceably, we see it of the Lord when he's on the cross. When it says in Luke 2, 30, Luke 23, 35, Luke 23, 35, it says, and the people stood beholding him and the rulers also with him derided him saying, hey, saved others, let him save himself if he be Christ, the chosen of God. They hated the Lord Jesus because he was chosen by God. And it came out at the cross. And just as the brothers of Joseph hated Joseph because he was chosen by, by Jacob. And the hatred all stems from being chosen. And you know, you see the first, where do you see this first example of hatred because chosen by God? That's it. Cain and Abel. In Genesis 4.4, that was what it was all about. In Genesis 4.4, and Abel, he also brought of the first things of his flock and the fat thereof, and the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. But unto Cain and to his offering, he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance full fulfilled. So God chose Abel's offering because it was the blood sacrifice. And he, he didn't choose Cain's offering. That meant that God chose what Abel brought, and, not, and, and therefore Cain hated Abel and ended up murdering Abel because it all stemmed from Abel was chosen and not me. That's the way Cain was thinking. And this hatred of stemming from being chosen was also seen in Esau. That was the reason why Esau hated Jacob, because Jacob was chosen over him. As it says in Genesis 27, 41, Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing wherewith his father blessed him. Well, what was that blessing? The blessing was, I'm choosing you, Jacob said, I'm consciously now. I'm choosing you consciously now, and you're gonna rule over Esau. And so therefore, Esau hated Jacob, and Esau said in his heart, the days of mourning for my father are at hand, then will I slay my brother Jacob. So that was what happened. The hatred of Cain against Abel all stemmed because Abel was chosen over Cain. The hatred of Esau against Jacob was all because Jacob was chosen over Esau. The hatred of the brothers against Joseph was all because Joseph was chosen over them. 
And the hatred of the Pharisees against the Lord Jesus Christ was all because the Lord Jesus Christ was chosen over them. So all these hatreds that are stemming from being chosen, that's the reason why the world hates believers. Because the Lord said in John 15, 19, if you were of the world, the world would love his own, but because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. See, in all these cases, the hatred stems from being chosen over. And this is the true meaning of the word envy. Envy. You know, envy is hatred. Envy is hatred. You know, it's to hate another person for what he has. You know, today it's all watered down. The word envy is all watered down. People say, oh, I'm envious of you. Really? <laughs> no. Oh, I envy you. No. You know, they kind of make it like covet. But that's, and envy is bad. It's really bad. It says in Proverbs 14.30, envy is the rottenness of bones. Envy is the rottenness of bones. Yeah, that's a bad thing. Rottenness of the bones, not a good thing. It's a bad thing, especially if it's cancer. Bone cancer, not a good thing. Bone cancer does not sit still. Bone cancer spreads. It spreads. And this is the characteristic of envy. It spreads in James 3.16. For where envy, envying and strife is, there's confusion in every evil work. See, that's a spreading. Every evil work. The envy spreads, and you can see how this envy, this envy, this envy-driven hatred among the brothers here, how it spread. I mean, look at verse 34. You're really getting this picture of this spreading here. You see where it says, when his brethren saw, verse four, when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him. So there we have the start and could not speak peaceably unto him. Now look at verse five. And Joseph dreamed a dream, and he told it to his brethren, and they hated him yet more, spreading. And then notice in verse eight, his brethren said unto him, shall you indeed reign over us, and or shall thou have a dominion over us? And they hated him yet the more. See, spreading, spreading, spreading. Verse 11, his brethren envied him. So this shows that this envy-driven hatred, it never sits still. It's on the move. It's always moving. Now, we read here, we can't go past this without really thinking about this. Jacob made a coat for his son, the coat of many colors. And, and, and then we're thinking about God made a coat for Adam and Eve. You know, and, and then it comes back to us. God made coats for us too. You know, we need clothing. We need clothing for our souls. We need soul clothing. You know, beyond. We need so he looks us over, God looks us over. And he sees that, you know what? You need some clothing for your soul. I mean, that's what he did in the church of Laodicea. He says in Revelation 3.17, think about this concept of clothing for the soul. And he says, look, because thou sayest I am rich, increased with goods, have need of nothing, knowest not that you're wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. He says, I counsel thee, buy of me gold, try in the fire, you may be rich. White raiment, that thou mayest be clothed that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. Anoint thine eyes with thy soul, thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. As many as I love, I'll tell you, you need clothing. You need soul clothing. You know, the Lord looked at them and says, you think you're well clothed? I see you. You're not. You're naked. You need some clothing. So I counsel thee to buy of me white raiment that thou mayest be clothed that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. So what's the clothing? What kind of clothing is God talking about that we need? He speaks about one in 1 Peter 3. 1 Peter 3, 3. 
where it says, talking about the women, it says, who's adorning? Let it not be that outward adorning of plating the hair, wearing of gold, putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit. He's talking about being clothed with a meek and quiet spirit, which in the sight of God is of great price. See, God sees that you need the clothing of the meek and the quiet spirit. What's that? Well, what's the opposite of that? What's the opposite of a meek and quiet spirit? In your face. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Loud, proud, boasting. See? So the first clothing that God says we need, he says you need a clothing of a meek and quiet spirit. And then he goes on to Peter. Peter, Peter, Peter was into the clothing. So Peter, first Peter five five. First Peter five five. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. Be clothed with humility. God resisteth the proud, gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Notice those subjects as they're coming. You know, clothed with humility. Humble yourselves. He cast your care on him. Three things. So we need the clothing of humility. And right after the need for the clothing of humility, we're told to humble ourselves. And God helps us. He helps us along with this. God helps us along because if we don't want to put on that clothing of humility, then he's got a big, mighty hand. And it comes down on us because he loves us. And so he wants us to have good clothing. And so, just like a man who turns to his spouse in the morning and says, you know, how do I look in these clothes? (laughs) Before he goes out. Every morning in our devotion time, we should say to the Lord, how does my soul look in this clothing today? How do I look? Yeah. And God in his great love, he's gonna be honest. And he's gonna tell us how we really do look with that soul clothing on that we're wearing. And if we don't do that and ask God how we look, then we come in our morning devotions and we'll read and then God will say, you're not gonna go out wearing that clothing today like that, are you? <laughs> And if that doesn't work, then he's got a big mighty hand. It'll be affecting our finances and it'll be affecting our health and the loss of our friends. And his big mighty hand is brought down on us for one reason, to help us get dressed, help us put on the right clothes, the clothing of humility. And we're only gonna put on this clothing of humility if we cast our care on him. Well, what do you mean? If we are worrying and anxious then we're not wearing the clothing of humility. Because if we're worrying and anxious, we're thinking to ourselves, I can solve this problem and I'm not solving it, so I've got to work a little bit harder because I'm going to solve That's pride. But if we cast our care on the Lord with a full assurance, he's going to take care of me. He cares for me. Then the relief comes, the rejoicing comes, even in the tribulations. And then God says, oh, I like that clothes you're wearing. That's nice. You look good. Clothing and humility. But the greatest clothing that God has given to us is given to us in Isaiah 61.10, where Isaiah says, you see me? See what I'm wearing? I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. He hath covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decketh himself with ornaments as a bride adorneth herself with her jewels. So the garments of salvation and the robe of righteousness, that's beautiful. 
And in ourselves, if we don't do that, we just got filthy rags on, terrible looking things. Isaiah 64, 6. We are all as an unclean thing. All our righteousness are as filthy rags. And our sins, they clothed us in filthy rags. And in place of those filthy rags, at salvation, God says, let me replace those things for you. Let me replace your filthy rags with this beautiful robe of righteousness. It's the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Stand still, so I'll put this robe on you. In Isaiah 61.10, it says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. He hath clothed me. He did it. He hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. He hath covered me. He didn't say, well, you know, go in that closet and pick one out that fits you. He did it. He hath clothed me. He hath covered me. We can't clothe ourselves in the garments of salvation. We can't cover ourselves with the robe of righteousness. Only God can do that to put those clothes on us. And that's why it says in Ephesians 2a, by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves, referring to the salvation, that salvation was not from you, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So to let God cover with the robe of righteousness is to experience what it says in 1 Corinthians 1.30, but of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So with those soul clothes on, we gotta be careful now. Like, what do you do when you get something new and you put it on? You be careful, don't get it dirty. (laughs) Don't get it dirty. I don't know what it is about me and ties. This is a magnet for spots. I don't know what it is. Keep it unspotted, he says, you know, uh, James 1.27. Pure religion, undefiled before God and the Father is this. Visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction and keep himself unspotted from the world. You know, and so in my laundry room, I have a can of naphtha and an eyedropper to remove spots. Very carcinogenic. <laughs> it's better to keep the ties unspotted. It's the world that spots our clothes. And what is it in the world that spots our clothes, that stains our clothes? First John 2.16, all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, it's not of the Father, it's of the world, it stains us. Our soul clothes get spotted from what our flesh lusts for. We got spot. Our soul clothes get spotted for what our eyes want to see. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. Our soul clothes get spotted by what we're proud of. But what happens when our soul clothes get spotted God has something better than Naphtha. <laughs> Revelation seven fourteen. These are they which came out of the great tribulation. They washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. See, those saints came out of great tribulation. Their soul clothes got spotted by the world, but they made them. They made their soul clothes white again by the blood of the Lord Jesus. In 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us. Remove the spots from all unrighteousness. Now, back to the hatred in verse four. This hatred against Joseph was also part of the journey. Here's Joseph, and he's going down this journey, and he's gonna be humbled, 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 humbled. That's gonna be Joseph's life. Then he's gonna be exalted. And that was because it teaches us in the life of Joseph, how the Lord was humbled, 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 humbled 
then he was exalted. That's, for, that's Philippians 2.7. But he made himself in no reputation, took on him the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of men, being found in fashion as the likeness of men. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, given a name which is above every name. So the humiliation of Joseph teaches us about life's journey, life's journey. And Paul talked about the life's journey in Acts 14.22 when he said, confirming the souls to disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith that we must through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of God. You know, I would have liked it if he would have said a little tribulation (laughs) or maybe some tribulation. You know, what's painful is the much tribulation part. (laughs) And this hatred of Joseph against him was just the beginning of a much tribulation life of, of Joseph. Much tribulation of the hatred of Joseph's brothers going to the much tribulation of the false accusation and the condemnation by Potiphar's wife to the much tribulation of being cast into prison to the much tribulation of having his feet hurt in the stocks to the much tribulation of betrayed by the butler who was supposed to get him out of the prison to the much tribulation of seeing his, his, putting his brothers through that agony of falsely accusing him. That was hard enough. So when we see this in the life of Joseph, it's how like Joseph, that's us. We're gonna have to go through much tribulation to enter into the kingdom of heaven. But for Joseph, he might look at the hatred of his brothers against him and say, he might look at it and say, why did they do this to me? I don't deserve this. I'm the good, I'm the good son. Why do I have to go through this? But this was just the beginning, just the beginning for Joseph. And he's gonna learn this life principle that at the end of his life, the last chapter, he's gonna say in Genesis 50, verse 20, but as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it for good to save much people alive. So the life principle that Joseph was gonna learn throughout life, starting with the hatred here in this chapter of his brothers, is this God meant it for good principle. He learned that the much tribulation, the the hatred of the brothers, no, God meant it for good. The Potiphar wife accusation, God meant it for good. The prison, God meant it for good. The hurting feet, God meant it for good. The being betrayed by the butler, God meant it for good, et cetera. And what did he mean when he said God meant it for good? Well, you gotta go back to Genesis 15, 6, 6, as we've seen before, when it says about Abraham, he believed in the Lord and he counted it, that word, counted it to him for righteousness. When it says he counted it to him for righteousness, it's that word counted, is that very important Hebrew word, chashav. And chashav is a word that described what Bethlehem and Aholiab did when they were weaving those woven tapestries for the tabernacle. They were chashaving away as they were weaving. And God chashaved or wove this righteousness into the tapestry of Abraham's life, righteousness. And when Joseph said God meant it for good, it means that God took each one of those tribulations like individual threads, and he wove it into the tapestry of Joseph's life. So they all worked really good together. And when the tapestry of Joseph's life was complete, it was beautiful. Because of all those single threads, of those tribulations, they came together and they made a beautiful, united, orderly, beautiful pattern that showed God's thoughts and it showed God's purposes. 
And all those individual threads of those tribulations that God wove together, it's all what he means in Romans 8, 28. We know that all things work together for good, woven to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. But can you imagine, can you just imagine if a tapestry was started and it started to speak? A tapestry starts to speak and it starts talking to the weaver. No, I don't like that colored thread. You made a mistake. I can't see what you're doing. I don't believe that you're making a beautiful tapestry. I won't allow it. I won't allow that colored thread to be put in me. Can you imagine the tapestry? <laughs> Can you imagine staying at the tapestry? Uh, you know what? I'm not going to let you do it. I'm going to get right up and leave. That's what I'm going to do. You know? And that's exactly what Paul said in Romans 9.20. Nay, but, oh, man, who art thou that replies against God? Shall the thing formed say to him that formed it, why have you made me thus? Why hast thou made me thus? See, this is the beauty of Joseph's life. He stayed on the, He stayed there. And he said, I don't understand how this thread of the hatred of my brothers is going to work together for good, but I understand God is chashaving. I'm not going to bother him. Let God keep weaving. I'm going to leave the weaver alone as he weaves thread by thread in my life and all these tribulations. And when he's done, I'll be able to see myself as God's workmanship, as it says in Ephesians 2.10. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto God, unto good works. See, in 1 Corinthians 3, 9, ye are God's husbandry, ye are God's building. Speaking of the Jewish people, in Isaiah 43, 21, this people have I formed for myself. They shall show forth my praise. In Psalm 100, verse 3, know ye that the Lord, he is God. It's he that made us, not we ourselves. We are the sheep of his pasture. That is us, the tapestry, saying God's gonna put his signature on this work. You know, in Psalm 138.8, God will perfect that which concerneth me. That's uh, that tapestry saying, Lord, don't get discouraged in your work. Don't walk away from your work in me. In Philippians 1.6, it says the same thing, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Christ. Again, that's the tapestry saying, Lord, you started it, don't abandon it. So, seeing the reason why the brothers hated Joseph, now we see where the hatred was leading, and it's leading to murder, and this is a strong warning. The Lord Jesus, he spoke about this in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5.20 when he said, you heard that by them of old time thou shalt not kill, whosoever kills shall be danger of the judgment. I say unto you, whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment, and so forth. The last step, the end of the line for hatred is murder. That's what James said. James 1.15, lust is conceived, brings forth sin. Sin, when it's finished, brings forth death. 1 John 3.15, whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. So this is where they were going. They were heading down this direction and that they wanted to make a few, a little bit of money on. The, they would have done that. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for Joseph's life and how he stayed true to you. And we can see that through all of his, his tribulations, Lord, it greatly encourages us to realize that no temptation has taken us, but such as was common to Joseph. But you made a way of escape. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 
another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Now, Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org, or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Sunday Night Church is back. Join Friendship with God Bible teacher Tom Cantor at the new Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Join us early each Sunday at 4.30 p.m. for food and fellowship with Sunday evening services to follow at 5.30 p.m. Watch Tom Cantor and the service on YouTube Live, located on the Friendship with God website. Enjoy encouraging teaching from our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, in a relaxed and family-friendly atmosphere. Sunday Night Church is back. So join us at the Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum at 10946 Woodside Avenue North in Santee, California. For more information, call us at 800-247-3051, 1-800-247-3051, or visit friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org for the Friendship with God Fellowship.